a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he, that he had said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. David. It is Transfiguration of our Lord's Sunday, the last Sunday before the beginning of Lent, and we, together with the disciples, are blessed with a mystical mountaintop vision. Imagine climbing a mountain with Jesus to pray and seeing him utterly changed before your eyes, bathed in light, and suddenly talking with the prophets of old Moses and Elijah. Imagine hearing a voice from heaven affirming Jesus as the Son of God. What a dazzling story, and what a weird story. But maybe we need a little bottle of awesome mystery for the road before darkness falls and Jesus sets his face on Jerusalem and his walk to the cross. 
As people, we seem to be hardwired to chase experiences that are shiny and dazzling, bright lights and mountaintop moments, if you will. I was telling a group this week about a time when one of my girlfriends and I decided rather impetuously that we would go to Tanzania to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I can't really recall how this decision came about because number one, I'm afraid of heights. And number two, I detest camping. <laughs> Looking back, I can only say that at the time, it felt like a shiny new challenge that would mark a moment in my life and bring about a new perspective. Sometimes, though, I wonder if we pursue bright lights to our own detriment. Episcopal priest and professor Barbara Brown Taylor writes about the time she found a huge loggerhead turtle nearly dead in the dunes near the ocean. The turtle had come ashore during the night to lay her eggs. And when she had finished, she looked around for the light of the horizon to lead her back to water. But the turtle confused the bright lights of the city for the skyline and headed toward the mainland, hauling herself through the sand until she was half cooked in the sun and could go no further. The pursuit of light can be elusive, and the pursuit of mountaintops can be in vain. If you'll notice in our story today, Peter, John, and James aren't pursuing anything in particular when heaven just breaks through. They're simply following Jesus up a mountain to pray and struggling to stay awake, I might add. I love the image of these disciples being weighed down with sleep, trying to pay attention to Jesus Maybe they were like exhausted students, heads bobbing up and down, trying to listen to their teacher for the main point of the lecture. What came next for them was a vision of the divine that would help to sustain them, I imagine, in the long weeks to come. But this mountaintop moment was not something that they were going looking for. It was something that came looking for them. Soon enough, the disciples would go down from the mountain and meet up with another moment of awesome mystery again, this time at the bottom of the mountain in a place of tears and of suffering. In this shadowy place, a beloved son shrieks and seizes and a father cries for a miracle. The heavens break into our story once again as Jesus casts out a demon and heals the boy. All we hear were astounded at the greatness of God. Those of you who have been privy to tragedy and sickness or the end of life as you know it with a loved one may have felt heaven breaking into these thin moments as well. God can find us where we are, on brilliant mountaintops and in the shadow of valleys below. 
This morning, as we watch events unfold in Ukraine, we pray for heaven to break into the darkness of a war zone. We pray for miracles, not unlike the miracle of Jesus casting out a demon. We pray that evil intentions would turn into mercy. We pray for the safety of those who stand in the crossfire, for soldiers who have been deployed, for the security of men, women, and children who are fleeing from home or sheltering in places like underground garages and subway stations. We pray for a nation's freedom that we can easily take for granted. In light and in dark, in the highest of heights and the lowest of lows, we pray, don't we, to meet the grace of God. But what about those more mundane places in between? If you notice, the scene in our text this morning jumps from the gleaming face of Jesus on high to a miracle performed in the valley below. But I wonder what was revealed as the disciples made their way step by step down the mountain. Can you imagine the questions they asked of Jesus? Like, really, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of what just happened up here? What do you make of it, Jesus? Did you get any good info from Elijah or Moses? What in heaven's name are we doing now? Will there be time for a nap along the way? We don't always get a play-by-play of the in-between times, but they are times of significance for reconnecting, for storytelling, for meaning-making, for building and imagining a future together. And it strikes me that as a faith community, we might be in one of those middling times, right? We are far from the bursting sanctuary and bustling activity and memories of a church as it was in the past, but we are also slowly emerging from lockdown and precautions and COVID. So where will we each find our place in this messy middle? Where will we each find our place in this slow, intentional work of reconnecting and caring for one another, of revitalizing and investing our time and our talents in children's ministry, in continuing to move forward our racial equity work and our partnerships in community? Might we find the gleaming face of Jesus revealed in these rebuilding times as well? In case you're wondering, I never made it to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. To my disappointment, about 200 feet from the 19,000-foot summit, I had to turn around and head back down the mountain I never got the the mountaintop moment I tried to create. Instead, I hold a different memory, close. The moment my guide recognized what I was too stubborn to admit along the way, that my altitude sickness had really gotten the better of me. And so out of care for me, my guide made me turn back with him. 
He held my hand and we slid down this steep slope of loose rock into a sunrise that was just emerging. Each level of descent slowly bringing me back to good health. We do not create the thin moments where heaven breaks into our lives. They find us. On brilliant mountaintops, in the dark valleys below, and everywhere in between. Praise be to God. Amen.